to two-thirds of, of the adult children who say I'm cutting people off. They said, look, I told my parents. I told them what's wrong. I told them what's bothering me. And you know what? They still don't get it. Listen to this. Over 60% of rejected parents say they have no idea why their child has cut them off. Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to Sundays with the Gathering. I'm Hannah Hunter, the Director of Digital Reach here at the Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. This week, Pastor Mike brings us a message on estrangement and how we understand and experience it in our lives. Well, welcome to the Gathering Place, and it's great to be with you. Um, I want to take a moment just to do a little bit of extra prayer today, um, because it seems like just in our secular calendar that, you know, the holidays really kick off with Thanksgiving week. And sometimes it's a good kickoff where, you know, we're moving forward and people have all these plans and parties and trips and all those kind of things. And sometimes it's a hard kick, like literally you feel like you're getting kicked in the holidays because of your family situation or maybe just because of just the, some friendships have changed. And, um, and I want to say that today um, we're going to be talking on a hard topic. And... Um, and I want you to know that there is lots of grace available today. So I just want to invite you to put yourself in a position of grace, just to receive and experience God's grace. Just know that I'm going to receive and experience God's grace. And then no matter, it might touch on some emotions. It might bring some stuff back from your past. It might touch something that maybe someone that you know is going through. And I just want you to, to sit with that to press in, and to know that this is a safe place and there's no judgment here. God is with us. So will you pray with me? So Lord, I thank you for this message that you've laid upon my heart to share with the body and for all those that who will be listening afterwards. And I pray that this will be a message of hope a message that will allow us to open our arms, our hearts, to receive and give grace. May it also be a calling to lift up the standard to be a, a safe and non-judgmental place. May we embody the heart of Jesus. I ask for your anointing today. And may you speak. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So we are all in Christ and sometimes we don't realize that, but we are. We're all in Christ. God holds this whole world. And so with that perspective that we're all in Christ, I just want you to repeat a few things to me, okay? And just try to say it from the depths of your soul. You can just repeat after me. I am loved. I am forgiven and I can forgive. I am free. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am a good person. I have my people. And God is with me. Thank you. So today, the topic that we're going to be talking on, and, and while I'm excited, but also just coming, approaching with a lot of humility, is one that affects a lot of people more and more, especially today. And we're speaking about the topic of estrangement, or being cut off. 
And, and, I, and that happens a lot in, in an unexpected way. Some, some of us are, have, have experienced it ourselves by either being cut off or have, having chosen to cut off other people. Um, also, sometimes there's a process that's happened. It might be kind of stirring up right now, but what happens is there's a break in the relationship. And so today, the reason why we're speaking about this is to help us, because this emotion, the feelings when we experience any kind of cutoff in life or estrangement, um, it comes up a lot during this holiday season. And so um, this is to prepare ourselves emotionally and spiritually for the holidays. And so this might be helpful. I want you to know that there's a a lot of information and statistics on this subject. Um, And a lot of it's written from the perspective of parents who have estranged adult children. That's like the vast majority of, of literature that's in this. But the purpose of today's message is to name this topic, okay? To actually say that it exists even in Christian families, okay? Even when you try to do all the right things and you think you're just trying to press in, sometimes the cutoff happens. Um, it's also here to let you know that you're not alone. If this is touching your life in any way, I want you to know that you're not alone because it touches a lot of people. Um, it's also to help you understand just to give a little bit of insight on that subject. And we're not here to, to fix your problem. I'm not here to fix you today or give you some, you know, just easy answer or some Christian cliche that you could just say and mantra yourself to it and, until you're numb. No. Um, but what I do want you to do, and I'm, my prayer is that it'll help you to recognize where is God in all of this? And to try not to over-spiritualize things, that, that tends to be the default sometimes with us Christians. We like to over-spiritualize things, gloss over real matters. And I want to, you know that it's going to give you hope. And, um, and it gives you also permission to remember that you're not alone um, and that you can't fix this by yourself, okay? That's another thing. Sometimes we're, there's a little bit of shame associated with this. And so we try to bring, keep it in the, in the dark and try to hide it and we try to fix it ourselves. Um, so I don't want to do that. What I really hope it'll do is inspire you to know that you're not alone, but it'll also encourage you to take some steps to find community so that you can press forward in this, so that you can know that you have a, a pastor you can trust, that there's friends that you can trust, and then also that there's great counselors and therapists out there. Um, because there's this persistent stigma among many Christians. I mean, even today, about therapy. Uh, sometimes there's like this, this negative view that therapy or getting that kind of emotional, psychological help is, is counter to faith. Really, it's complementary. Um, and, and really, our faith, our spirituality, and even psychology um, are all gifts from God to make us whole. So I want you to, to press into that. So Let's just give a couple of quick definitions, and there'll be stuff following online for this, this series. Um, but here's this, you know, what does estrangement mean, okay? Because like I said, there's a lot of psycho talk out there on social media and stuff, but estrangement means experiencing distance or separation from others, such as family members, with a notable diminished or complete loss of contact with a previously close relationship. Estrangement can vary in length with separations ranging from six months to more than 30 years. 
Okay, this stuff is real. But again, it's this diminishment of the relationship of one that was a previously close relationship. Some of the signs to start, you know, looking at when we're thinking about estrangement is that there's a, a decreased of decreased communication between the parties. There's an increase of physical distance, reduced emotional closeness. You're just not emotionally connecting anymore. There's an increase of negative emotions when you think about the person or situation. There's a declined relationship effort. And, um, and there's a lot of delegitimizing, you know, you know, basically discounting what people think, what their, their opinions are, their feelings. These are all the, the signs of estrangement. I want you to know right up front, it's like, hey, I am not a therapist. Been to lots of therapy, still working through stuff, but I am not a therapist. I'm a United Methodist uh, minister, and I have training in pastoral care. And so professionally, I, I know how to refer things when I see the warning signs. And I know a lot more about the Bible uh, than this topic, but really I'm just a practitioner like you. I'm just trying to practice and put my faith. And... I do know a lot about estrangement because, um, let's, let's face it, um, I've experienced the whole cut-off thing because I have cut people off in my life. Sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for just really bogus reasons, but it was what I felt was right at the time. And also, I've been cut off. So I, I have both sides of it. Um, so maybe today, it's in, you know, this topic is in your past, Maybe you're in it right now, or maybe you're thinking about doing it, and it's always a sensitive topic that is, again, very real and acute in the holidays, but if you find this helpful, what I'm about to say, um, I hope you'll take a, some bold steps and listen to this message again, go deeper, and maybe even share this podcast. If you want to know, I mean, this is a shocking statistic that just came out recently, that 25% of Americans today, that's one in four people that you meet, have an estranged relationship. It's much more prevalent than what we think. They are cut off from someone they loved and they were close to. In most cases, it is an adult child estranged from an adult parent. And if you're not in it, chances are very likely that you know someone who is. Maybe this message can give you some insight to actually come alongside of people that are experiencing this and, and maybe a little bit more empathetic um, in this and just not try to dismiss what's going on as they especially experience estrangement during the holiday season. Now, the Bible has lots of examples of estrangement and being cut off. And so today what we're going to be looking at is an example that happened in the church, the early church. Um, and it is likely, I just want to be honest with this one, it's likely a lot lighter situation that we're going to read about in the Bible than what some of you who are going through it right now are experiencing. So I don't want to make you the, the, the topic light and diminish what you might be experiencing, but I do um, want to give us uh, this some t a, a place where we can at least land on for Scripture. Because in the Bible, we have lots of examples where there's people just kind of go their own way, and that's it, and they don't talk about it. But in this one, there's some things that we can grab onto, and I will let it out of the box. There is a happy ending, okay? I know that sounds just, 
you know, eh, but it might disappoint you. Um, but, but there is a happy ending on this one. The people I just want to introduce, um, they show up together, actually, in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And it reads this, okay? So these, these are the characters that we're talking about. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. So John Mark, what we know is like... Um, um, he, he was actually part of this early church movement, was part of a, a prominent house group. Um, there's a lot of things that happened to him in the Bible later on, but we see that um, like he was this young convert that, that this stood out among the disciples, and they decided to take him um, on this mission. Then we pick up again where we hear a little bit more about John Mark in relationship to um, actually the mission in Acts chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. It says, Paul and his companions left for uh, Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch. And then we, we hear... Okay, what was the response to this leaving? And that's in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. Hmm. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas as he left. The believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled through Syria and Sicilia and, and strengthening the churches there. And that's really the big details that we hear about this conflict. And if, and if you read it really fast and are just going through it, I mean, it's tricky because this part of the Acts of the Apostles and later on is really following Apostle Paul's missionary journey. But right in the middle of the great Apostle's missionary journey, we see a major church conflict happening. We see a major relationship happening that, that is now broken down. If you want to start applying family systems theory to this thing, I mean, we have a lot of parent-child roles happening. If you remember Barnabas, okay, Barnabas was the one whose nickname was Son of Encouragement, and he was like one of the biggest encouragers that we see in the Bible. And when Apostle Paul, you know, came to faith and started to understand who Jesus was, he got a little weird, okay? He stepped out in faith and did some amazing things, but also, you know, he did some things that scared some of the disciples. And they're like, hey, we need somebody to kind of accompany this guy to make sure that he stays on track. And so they send Barnabas to him. And Barnabas takes Paul under his wing and he, and he mentors Paul in one way. But we see that eventually the relationship grows and they become like these, these, these equals or, or colleagues in ministry. So we see that and then we have the same thing happening in the relationship later on where, where Paul starts seeing this John Mark and they invite him in Jerusalem in the early church to say, hey, why don't you travel with us? Well, what, we, we, what I skipped over that we do miss on this text is that, that from that first missionary journey to the second one, when, when John Mark said, hey, I'm done with it, um, they experienced a lot of hardship. Um, and, and, you know, when you're experiencing hardship in church, even in the first church, the reaction is still the same. The hell with this, I'm finding another church. 
And, and that's what John Mark did. He said, look, the hell with this. I'm finding another church, man. I'm not going to deal with this drama. I'm not going to deal with all this garbage, you know. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem church where they have their stuff together, okay. And, and some of us have done that. You know, we've been in smaller churches. I know I have. And sometimes those churches are just kicking off and you're getting moving and a little bit of drama starts going on. It's like, you know what? I get my church hurt. I get burned out. I get tired. It's easy just to step in and go to the bigger church that has their stuff together. And that's what John Mark did. And yet... Here, though, something happens in the relationship. Whereas Barnabas took Paul along, and Paul seems to be compliant, and they somehow worked their stuff together, and Paul grew, John Mark really goes against the wishes of Paul. He really goes against the wishes of Paul, and Paul takes it badly. I mean, it says that it, when the Scripture says that it's a sharp thing, it is sharp. And to the fact that they, that they separate... Now, we don't get much details on this, and, and I guess um, a lot of times we try to Christianize this kind of thing. Well, it's in the Bible, so it makes sense to Christianize it, but like, we try to find like, a really simple cause and effect of how this happened. You know, where, did the, the, where did this come from? And, and a lot of people say, well, when there's estrangement and broken relationships, they'll try to proof text something like this and say, well, it's because of sin. You know, and, and usually when people cut people off, they'll say, well, you know, I'm right to do this. And, and there's a missing the mark and there's sin. But I want you to know that that's not always the case. That sin is not always the, the, the direct cause of estrangement. And um, so it's a yes and no. Um, you know, what we see, which is interesting, is that we see that no matter what happens, even in these situations that are not really things that we like to celebrate, we still see that God is at work. We see that now the missionary activity doubles because, you know, Paul picks up Silas and they go one way and then, and then Barnabas takes John Mark and they go another way. And, and basically the work of the gospel is doubled. You know, more people are hearing about Jesus and that's a, a good thing. And so it reminds us that God is still at work and that more people hear about Jesus. But it still doesn't settle when you're in the middle of it yourself, Right. It still doesn't give us some like clean resolutions that we like when we think about being cut off or those cut off relationships. Like I said, I've been on both sides of this. I've cut off people and I've been cut off. And I want you to know that estrangement is real. And in my family of origin, man, this is commonly practiced. And for sometimes, you know, um, you know, they have some really good reasons. I thought I had some really good reasons for, you know, doing what I did. But as I step back and I reflect on this and reflect on what hit me personally, um, sometimes I ask myself, was this the best course of action? Um, and many times, yes. And, and also, I realized too, though, that for my family members that are kind of still practicing this, a lot of times it's because that's the only tool they know, have to know how to really cope with it. You know, when you're hurting and you're in pain, the first thing you have to do is remove yourself from the hurt and pain. I mean, you have to take care of you. And so for some people, that is the only thing that they know how to do. And I know, like, for, for me, when I chose to, to use the cutting off and the estrangement thing, um, I look at where I was in my life, and I realized I had limited tools. And then also there was some immaturity going on in my life. And I'm not trying to say that if someone cuts someone off, they're, they're immature or anything like that. I'm just telling you for me where, where I was. I had some growing to do. I needed some healing. And, and of course, like it's very easy to feel self-righteous 
when you cut people off. You know, the usual culprits are this. This is how to deal with the narcissists because they didn't respect my boundaries. And now this is a hard boundary that I am, I am putting up. But even in the right situations or right actions, um, if we're really honest with ourselves, we usually have more than one choices. And, um, and I want you to know that may, while it does make us feel safe, and it is a good tool to cope and to be safe, there's still hurt there. Estrangement, if you choose that path, it will still hurt. You'll still experience hurt. And, and, then, and even as you kind of, you know, people go on, like we, we see in statistics, some people go on 30 years being separated from someone that they had a very close relationship with, for example, like a parent and a child. Um, but the pain's still there because, you know, deep in someone's soul, they're like, hey, something is missing. You're wondering if they're okay because you cared about them, or at least you once cared about them. You're wondering if this bothers them too. And then one of the realities that we have to own is that we cannot go back as much as we like. We can't rewrite the past. You know, someone once told me, you know, your words are like toothpaste. Once they come out of the tube, you can't put them back in. I mean, that, that happens. And if we're not careful, if we don't watch ourselves, it also creates this anxiety that builds up inside of us where we try really hard to fix the situation ourselves, you know, put it into our own power. And again, this is this reflections that I have. Um, and then we never want to make that same mistake again. And then there's also this anxiety or pressure to uh, try to make up for lost time. You know, what do others say about, the ex other experts say about estrangement? And I know we're getting deep, but I want you to kind of get a grasp of this because I think it's really important. First of all, you got to understand that people do not simply desire to distance themselves from somebody or cut somebody off um, without any reason. In what's going on in their mind and their soul, the, the reasons are very real. They're very important. Um, again, usually the, the first culprit for when people choose to say, hey, I'm going I'm to separate myself or distance myself from somebody is because um, it's not safe. And so, like, some of the causes of family estrangement, for example, is abuse, parental neglect. What's coming up a lot right now that, that both uh, pastors are seeing and then also um, even, you know, professionals that, that are in the human um, emotional health, um, you know, profession is that different values. Uh, for example, sometimes parents might reject a child if they come out as LGBTQ. That's, that's one example that comes out a lot. Um, Different expectations. I mean, let's face it, um, the roles of life, how, you know, how a, a child should, adult child should treat their adult parent has changed over times. Sometimes there's the death of a member of the family, illness, divorce, harsh parenting styles, drug or alcohol abuse can come into play. Parental alienation. Sometimes a parent just wasn't available when you, when they really needed them. And then at other times, they were too available. There's a meshment, you know, coming. There were, it was just all up in everybody's business, and they didn't know, you know, where one began and one ended, you know. Um, incarceration and untreated mental health conditions. So, I mean, there's a lot of things packed up in here. You know, Joshua Coleman, writing in The Atlantic, points out that the causes of estrangement are complex. And I think you got to embrace that. It's not a simple black and white thing that, you know, it could be easily fixed. It's complex. And there are many factors that influence it. Um, 
And so Coleman also makes a strong case that parents of young adults simply underestimate or misunderstand the value of their own, their own children place on feelings and emotional capital. Again, usually what we're seeing in, in, in all the research is that usually it's the adult child that's doing the, the breaking off. Um, technically, you know, they, they say that they see that parents are, are one, biologically hardwired to care for the, the child because you know, you, most parents put a lot of investment in a child. So they're biologically and emotionally invested to care. And so when the break-off does happen, it, it is painful. And what happens to a lot, especially in the generational differences that at least I'm seeing and experiencing in my own life, but also observing as a pastor, is like there's a big you know, difference in values and, and, and the roles that emotions play in. And so a lot of young adults that I experience, they, they see that their parents are disconnected. They don't value their, their feelings. They don't value their boundaries. They don't value the emotions that they're feeling. And so, again, you know, we, listen, you know, like I was raised, you know, by an Eastern European dad, okay? So, I mean, like we were called to be hard, you know what I mean? It was like, you, you don't cry. You, I mean, you just like, you just deal with it. That's part of life. You know, you don't, you don't talk about your feelings and all those kind of things. But right now, there's a high value placed on feelings and actually building emotional capital. So just because you're a parent or you are a caregiver doesn't automatically give you the right. And that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but this is what's happening today. Dr. Don McCulloch, he's a professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University and also a counselor at Spanish River Counseling Center, he says this, he says, typically, and this is where it gets a little touchy for us Christians, typically the story of the prodigal son does not apply in most stories of estrangement in life, okay? Like, we like to have that. You know, the child, um, in, in a lot of cases, is not an addict who has run off and spent the family's fortune rest recklessly. Yet, that does happen. The children who choose estrangement from parents often are doing relatively well, which makes the cutoff all the more painful for the parents to comprehend. It's not about waiting for the child to come to their senses, and that day may never come. And this is not surprising, although the research indicates that while approximately two-thirds of a, a estranging adult children say they've told their parents the reason why they're, why they're cutting people off multiple times, okay, so, so two-thirds of, of the adult children who say I'm cutting people off, they said, look, I told my parents, I told them what's wrong, I told them what's bothering me, and you know what, they still don't get it. Listen to this, over 60% of rejected parents say they have no idea why their child has cut them off. I mean, this is, this is what's happening. And I wonder, like, where is God in all of this? And, and again, it makes it even more difficult because, like, in this situation, many times we can't assign blame to a person or a situation. We can't even blame sin. And, and then we have to also ask, like, am I on the right side? You know, sometimes people ask, you know, is God grieving just because I'm grieving? And, and so is that why God is with me? Um, yes, God does grieve with us, but that doesn't mean that one side is right and the other one's wrong. In fact, when it comes to this very complex situation, I don't have the right answer. Um, but I do say this, it is an opportunity to take a step it, um, in, in looking at it inwardly and allowing God to stretch us and it's time for us to grow. 
It's an opportunity to remind ourselves that, yes, God is with us. God grieves with us when we are grieving. And yes, God is walking with you, walking with me, walking with us right now. And we don't have to have like an easy fix or an easy answer or, or that one target to assign all the blame on. Sometimes it just is. And I know that's a sorry answer that you want to hear in church or you want to hear from the pulpit, but sometimes this stuff is just is, and, and, and we have to just live with it. Is that enough for you? Is, are, are you eventually okay to just be okay? We know that estrangement hurts because there's grief involved. One writer says um, that, um, you know, there's, just as there's five stages of, of grief um, drawn from uh, Kobler-Ross's stages of grief, you know, she asserts that there's uh, stages of estrangement too. There's the shock, the despair, eventually acceptance, transformation, and maintenance. And this topic, you know, it, it, it's not linear. It bounces around a lot. So what do you do? If this is happening now, if you're starting to see it starting to come up, um, um, a licensed uh, professional counselor, Tina Gilbertson, um, she's the one who associated with grief. You know, the first thing she tells us is like, hey, don't panic. Um, the main thing that you need to accomplish in that initial shock stage of like, oh, my gosh, I just been cut off is to absorb the shock and to not panic, uh, to not be overcome with panic. And, and yes, this can trigger a lot of separation anxiety. Um, and then, it, especially if you've been the one cut off, and, and I'm speaking from experience, it could compel you to say things um, that you'll later regret. And so sometimes um, a lot of parents especially do this. And again, I saw myself doing this. Uh, we engage in the following. This is like the typical ineffective behavior. So sometimes they chastise the person from being unreasonable, cruel, and selfish. Sometimes they resort to begging the child to answer their calls or texts. Or then they recruit other people to influence that person that's cutting off. And, and statistically, it's not really effective. Um, what we miss is this, is that one of the best responses to an intentional cutoff or estrangement is to find peace in the soul somehow and to be very intentional in your responses to the person. I mean, try to be as thoughtful as possible. So if you're overcome by the sudden rejection by a child or somebody that was close to you, don't panic. It does feel like if you don't fix this immediately, um, they're going to move further and further away and you could lose them forever. You know, that's the fear. If I don't get this fixed right now, I'm going to lose it forever. But let's be honest, that's just a feeling and it's not a fact. Give the person space. You know, um, if they keep distancing themselves right now, that means that they need to have time to breathe, to regroup, and to consider their options. And it's a good thing for you to do the same thing. And if you had a good relationship before, and this is where we can kind of trust, if you had a good relationship before, there's a foundation for, um, for another good relationship that you will get through this rough patch. And if your relationship was troubled, um, then you're going to want to do some deep work to learn how to repair whatever damage has been done and avoid further unnecessary damage in the future. And so you got to understand that this learning, this soul work, it takes 
time. So what I suggest for myself, and I'm inviting you to do, is that if someone's choosing this, don't be like, oh, that's not the Christian thing to do. What would Jesus do? Because, you know, that just gets you in trouble. Recognize this as one of many coping strategies and respect it. Respect it. It is the one way to, for someone to control a situation and even maybe to control another person and to create that space to be safe. And if you're in that, if you're in that situation right now, I respect you and I respect your choice. You know, there's no, there's no judgment in this. And it might be at this time, you know, the most godly thing that you can do at this moment. And I know that for those of you who are cut off and you feel that it's unjust and unfair, I know it's hard. But I want to invite you to surrender to God. Because remember, you know, it's okay to walk away from toxic people in your life, um, including sometimes the toxic family, you know, and, and healing, you know, these intergenerational family wounds. It's a lonely path. But you know what? You can find good, healthy soul connections. It is possible. Um, and so don't try to overthink the situation or reading into something that's not there. Sometimes you need to also need to trust your gut and do what's right for you. So let's go back to our, our Bible story. So Paul gets ticked off, you know, him and Barnabas, you know, set apart. And the Bible doesn't tell us much other than it was sharp. It was sharp and it was really bad. But somehow, and the Bible doesn't tell us how, they reconciled. And we have these clues in, in Paul's later life. We have it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, where Paul says, Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark, and another translation will say John Mark, but this is definitely the Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful for me in the ministry. So somehow Mark, you know, had his reputation restored. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10 says this. It says, Aristarchus, um, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. So this is like the, a very mature Paul. He's in prison. And so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. I mean, this is John Mark again. As you're instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. I mean, what a radical change in Paul's life. Or at one point, he says, look, man, if this guy's going, I'm not going. You know what I mean? You, know, you choose your way. If he goes left, I'm going right. If he goes right, I'm going left. But, but now Paul's saying, hey, welcome him. You know, just know that he's also sending his greetings. So a couple lessons that we can learn real fast, and I'm just going to wrap this up from the John Mark and Paul situation, is remember, our past mistakes don't define our future. So what's happening right now is not the final word, okay? And you got to just trust in that. And you know what? If you mess up, number two, if you mess up and minister your life, don't ever feel like you can't get back in the game, okay? Don't give up on yourself because God certainly has not given up on you. Third one, it's never too late to reconnect with someone you've let down. Okay, so, I mean, there is an opportunity. But again, don't get anxious. Don't say, oh, God's telling me i got to fix this right now. No, no, just, just chill, slow your roll. You know, just, I mean, everything will be all right. Um, and also, it's never too late to, to forgive. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says this. And again, this is a mature Paul written in the last days of his life to a church that he hasn't even seen. He says, if it is possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with others. So 
There's a lot of things that you can't, that are just totally outside of your control. But there are things that you can do. Here are some things that have helped me to cope and recover from the, this whole estrangement and cut off things that I just want to share with you. You might want to write these down. Number one, be kind. I know it sounds silly, but be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Another thing is to work on yourself while you wait. You know, try not to judge the other person or fix something or get in the head of the other person, but like work on your improving your communication. Work on how to, in a healthy way, express your feelings and your needs. I fall victim to this a lot. Try to limit the drama and stick to the facts. Focus again on your well-being and actually get the help you need. Get professional help. Talk to somebody who's more experienced. Find that safe community. You know, maybe, maybe it's a support group you need. And then also, um, sometimes you have to know when to cut ties too. When to just to kind of step back and just give it away to God. But here's something that's really important. When the Bible is silent on something or does not make a judgment, like the Bible didn't say who was wrong in the whole Barnabas and Paul thing, and the Bible didn't assign guilt to anybody, neither should we. And so even in the examples of the Old Testament, when people go in and do this, the Bible really doesn't say much. The Bible usually just kind of follows who they're following in the Bible, you know, but, but it just speaks to that. And I think that's a, a good word for us, you know, to not try to assign guilt or try to find the reason or whatever. Um, so don't make judgments where God hasn't made judgments. And I guess that last thing is, you know, you got to surrender to God. We are not in control. And while many times we think that the perfect apology will fix something, and, or if you've chosen to cut somebody off and you're waiting for that perfect apology, apologies, the perfect apology should not be a condition for reconciliation. Because in most cases, people don't even know what they're apologizing for. Like we said, 60% of parents don't even realize why their kids are mad. Sometimes the relationship needs to be reconciled first, and then apologies will come later. And this is a biggie. Whether you are ever reconciled or not, again, reconciled is like that restoration of that close relationship, work on forgiveness. Because you can still forgive. And that's what really sets the soul free. And then... If it is safe, and again, this is when you've done the work, the soul work on yourself, and you, can, and you feel safe with that other person, I want to invite you, if you're looking for reconciliation or considering it, you have to be open to turn the page and start a whole new chapter. You know, you can't go back to that old relationship. You can't go back to where it first broken off. Sometimes it's like if that person really matters and, and, and you've grown a lot and they've grown a lot, but now there's a convergence of your two lives together, Sometimes you just got to start a whole new page and a whole new chapter and just move forward. 
And that's what sometimes reconciliation looks like. It's starting new. And, and you got to avoid those traps of having the idealized version of what a reconciled relationship looks like. Like, oh, I want to have the perfect mother-daughter relationship like I've seen on TV or wherever I've seen. Or, or I want my, you know, my, I want to be the grandparents that I see on Hallmark. You know, get rid of that crap, okay? It doesn't work. Live with what God has given you. And you know what? Um, understand that those relationships will look very different because... Chances are you'll be very different because we are growing, we are changing. So don't get locked into the past. Respect the boundaries and take it slow. And what I want you to know is this, and this is what I'm closing on. There is hope. There is hope. Even in this liminal time and space that we have, there is hope and you can find peace. That's what Jesus promises us. He says, come to me and I will give you peace. And so as I close in prayer, maybe that's the step that you need to do because that's the only thing that you can do. You can't fix that relationship. You can't change that person. But you can make a step to find peace in your soul and that is to surrender to the care and lordship of Jesus. Will you pray with me? So Jesus, may these words that I'm sharing speak to the heart and in our own way where we are seated be a prayer from our soul. Jesus, left to ourselves, things get really messed up. And there are places in my life that are totally messed up. And I'm hurting and I have hurt other people. And I need your forgiveness. I believe that you're the only one that can save me and possibly help me to make me a new person. So today, Jesus, right where I'm at, I surrender. And I ask you to Fill my life with your purpose and plans. And I surrender my dreams and hopes to you, and, and I just trust that as I follow you, you're going to help me. You're going to give me the strength to follow and train my heart to be obedient to your ways and to love as you loved. I am yours. Amen. Hey, beautiful people, this is Hannah Hunter. I'm the director of Digital Reach here at the Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. Thank you for joining us this week. We love getting to share our journey in Christ and community with you. And if you're in the Palm Beach area, we'd love to get to connect with you in person at our Sunday worship service at 10 a.m. For more information about our community and faith, check out our website at thegatheringplacefl.org. Thanks for listening.